welcome to a special edition of Between the Headphones, Behind Enemy Bylines, the preseason preview podcast. I'm Owen Warden, your host for this podcast miniseries, where I'll talk with several student journalists from a few of Georgia's opponents for the 2023 season. Next up is Cameron Larkin from Ole Miss, Georgia's 10th opponent of the season. Alrighty, welcome back to another preseason preview podcast. Today, I'm happy to bring someone hailing from the land of Mississippi, covering a team that's a little bit more unknown to the Georgia Bulldogs. Cameron, go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Uh, what's up? I'm Cameron Larkin. I'm going to be the head sports editor at Ole Miss. Um, you know, just really excited to get to know you, get to talk about Ole Miss football as well as Georgia football because y'all are actually on our schedule this year. So, yeah, very excited about that. Oh, absolutely. No, I love it. Um, I mean, obviously the way schedule things are, you know, we don't face uh, – Georgia doesn't face too many SEC West teams and Ole Miss doesn't face too many SEC East teams, so – it's fun. It's fun to be able to have these type of matchups where you know, other than Auburn, it's it's fun to kind of talk about these SEC West teams, you know. And that's how it is with us. We kind of face like Vanderbilt every year from the East, so it's like, so to get Georgia, it's really exciting. Oh yeah, no, it's fun. It's and it's going to be a fun game. But before we can even get into that game, let's go ahead and recap that last season. Ole Miss was a pretty hot team, pretty fun. But you know what? I'll let you go right into it. Yeah. So. I kind of broke it down into highlights and lowlights and like in the most cookie cutter way possible, the highlight was the first six games and the low light was the back half of the season where the whole Lane Kiffin to Auburn rumors started going. And it's actually something that Kiffin touched on at SEC media days where he just kind of took the blame like, hey, that was my bad. Um, He was like, he didn't handle it correctly and he apologized for it. So and that's something we were kind of waiting for as Ole Miss fans was for him to own up to it. And so now that that happened, I think we can move forward. But, yeah, highlight, we were 6-0. and We had SEC Nation come to town. We played Kentucky, beat them, ended up ranked number seven. There were conversations all over social media like, how many SEC teams can make the, SEC, or the college football playoffs? And Ole Miss was a part of those conversations. And then we lose to LSU. And it just downhill from there. We beat A&M at some point near Halloween. Kiffin makes a funny little comment, and then we just lose and lose and lose. Yeah, no, I, I remember looking at it, and, and that LSU game was so hyped up because, I mean, LSU had lost early in the season, but, I mean, still, they were hot, and, and I mean, you guys were hot. And, and then, I mean, that game happens, but then you're like, well, you know, Alabama's coming in to, to Ole Miss. I mean, and then you're like, that game could be interesting, and it was, but, I mean, ultimately, I don't think it's the result that you guys wanted to see, and, I mean, lo- losing four out of the last five games is just a tough way to end a season. Oh, yeah. We, um, like, I was at the LSU game. I was at the Bama game. Two of the most disappointing losses I've ever been at. It was terrible. No, and, and especially when you're home, too. I feel, I feel like there's a certain expectation to, to, especially, again, for a team that was playing really well, to be competitive, you know? And it was, and not that they weren't competitive. It's just more of, like, you wanted to see more, truthfully. Yeah, and the way that a lot of Ole Miss fans kind of viewed it, and the way that it really actually was, is there was no fight toward the end of the season. Like, I don't know if you watched the Arkansas game, but we got obliterated. I, I'm forgetting Arkansas's running back's name, but he went Rocket for like Sanders. Rocket Sanders. He went for like 300 yards or something crazy like that. Just four touchdowns, just obliterated our defense, and we were gonna do nothing about it. And if you just watch the sideline, Kiffin was kind of out of it that was like at the height of 
where the rumor like he actually signed a contract already came out and so it was just a bad situation yeah no it was it wasn't great that arkansas game was rough because it was it was really exciting for two teams that like had, had shown a lot of promise but not risen up to expectations you were like that's another good game and it wasn't but and again i mean because of that you know those lane kiffin rumors came out but you know what for for the sake of the old mess he stuck around he stayed around yeah. you know he didn't leave so let's go ahead and talk about that current coaching staff. We know Kiffin's still there. He didn't take that Auburn job. That's Hugh Freeze over there now. So let's talk about the rest of that coaching staff around uh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah, so um, his good buddy, Charlie Weiss Jr., is kind of the offensive coordinator. Obviously, they split play calling. Mostly all of the fourth down, going for fourth down decisions is Lane Kiffin. And then Charlie Weiss kind of runs everything else. Um, Ole Miss fans aren't in love with Charlie Weiss only because the play calling last year kind of seemed a little boring and conservative, especially at the end of games. But we all know that Kiffin had a conversation with him at the end of the season. And I think they're going to be on the same track. Kiffin's going to do a little bit more play calling, and they're going to kind of tag team it more. Uh, defensive coordinator, we're really excited about Pete Golding. Um, got him from Bama. Don't know how that happened, but we kind of got him over there. And... We're going to be running not a three-front defense. We're going to actually get pressure on the quarterback. Um, one thing we're also really excited about is he put in work in recruiting and the portal, and the defense looks completely different now. And we're, It's going to be great. Um, a few position coaches that I really did want to highlight was our receiver coach, uh, Darren Nix. Just because Ole Miss is kind of known, not known, but like we put some pretty good receivers in the NFL recently. And they've been really good in Oxford and in the league. So, and he's been around for, what did I have? He was 12 years as a running back coach. This is his fourth year as our receiver coach. So he had to do with DK and AJ Brown and Jonathan Mingo. And so now, and I'll talk about our two receivers later, but we're really excited about him. And then obviously we have our running backs coach, Kevin Smith. Um, he actually, so he was with us 2020 and 2021, left to go to Miami in 22 and now he's back. So he didn't necessarily have anything to do with Quinshawn Judkins and his production this year, but he recruited him. So there's that connection there, and obviously Judkins is who he is. Kevin Smith is who he is, so we're really excited about how he could potentially elevate one of the best running backs in the nation. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you just touched on so many guys. I mean, Judkins was – I mean, one of the best running backs last year in college football alone as a freshman. That was incredible. To the point that, I mean, Zach Evans, who was a great running back for TCU the previous year, he pushed him down the depth chart. That, that's the kind of level that, that he was of talent that he was. But, you know, continuing on that, I mean, again, Perkins is coming back. He was only a freshman, right? You've, you've got a lot of other players. Go ahead and, and, and talk to me a little bit about who are some of those key returning guys for this football team. Um, with the quarterback situation, Jackson Dart, um, I know there's a whole big QB competition. Uh, my personal opinion is that Dart should start. And I only say that because a lot of people left and a lot of new people came in. And one of the big things with, and this is why George has been so successful, is continuity. Kind of the last couple of years with Stetson Bennett and even now with Carson Beck, he's been in the program. It's going to kind of be a seamless transition. So I think that Dart is going to be very important to the success the success of this team because he was with the system last year. With that being said, Judkins is going to be the offense. There's no secret about that. Like he's 
arguably the best, maybe second best behind Blake Corum returning running backs. I mean, he's ridiculous. He, I think he had the most rushing touchdowns in the nation. It was something crazy, like 17. Um, he's going to be a big part of the team. And then the defense, um, Jared Ivey's returning and J.J. Pegues, they kind of anchored our front seven. And they're going to be very important to because there are a lot of moving pieces on defense too. And so for them to be the leaders, the older guys, they're, and they've gained like 15 pounds of muscle each, ridiculous. So they're going to be very important to the success of our defense under Pete Golding. Absolutely. No, those – I mean, Judkins easily is going to be huge. Dart's going to be huge. And there's a quarterback competition battle that we'll definitely talk about. But before we even get into any of that, there was – Obviously, you just mentioned there were a lot of players that did end up leaving Ole Miss a little bit. Um, if you don't mind, go ahead and uh, go into some of those key pieces that left either via the draft or uh, or via the transfer portal. Yeah, uh, portal's big at Ole Miss, so I'll start there. Um, the two biggest happened on defense. Uh, Davison Igbenosin, he actually went to, I think it was Ohio State. So, obviously, he's a really good football player. Um, I have a stats here he had. He started 10 games as a true freshman and finished with, like, 37 tackles and, without a doubt, our biggest defensive loss just because he was so young and he was already bought into the system and he just performed so well that it was tough to see him go. And he was our, he was our star cornerback. Our safety, Tyson Ty Johnson, also left, and he was one of the best safeties in the SEC. He, was, he started nine games. He was an SEC all-freshman in 21, and then – Again, he was probably the biggest loss just for his sheer power on defense, and he was our, I would say, our defensive leader. So it was really tough to see him go. As for the draft, um, Jonathan Mingo left. He he's gonna be the the next Ole Miss great receiver in the league. He broke the single game receiving record. It was against Vanderbilt, but it happened. And then um, Zach Evans, you meant you touched on him. He didn't have as good of a year as we wanted him to, but the two-headed monster of Judkins and Evans carried us to 6-0 and when we were there. And then other than that, no real major production on offense left, and then defense, we really only lost portal guys. Gotcha. Yeah, no, no. Evans, Evans was definitely a player I really liked, and then Mingo alone is so much fun. To, to watch he's he's one of those dudes that he's got just a great frame on him I mean he's he's sneaky athletic that you just wouldn't expect and I know I know he wasn't a he wasn't as big of a name going into that draft process like guys like DK like guys like AJ Brown but like man if you watch him you're like okay yeah no it makes sense why the Carolina Panthers took him to be Bryce Young's new best friend no yeah we were surprised he went that early we had no inclination no clue that that was going to happen but we're glad we're glad it did because he really doesn't he wasn't a fan of Bryce Young, you know, the whole whatever, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you know what? They're going to have to be good friends because that's, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much Bryce's new number one unless you want to count Adam Thielen in there. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I think Mingo's going to be fun. He was really fun at Ole Miss, and uh, I'm curious to, uh, to see who maybe some of those uh, guys stepping up to replace him will be, but we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit uh, later because I also wanted to ask, what were some of the key additions to this team? You know, whether that was from the transfer portal or Ole Miss had a pretty good recruiting class. There's one player that I'm really thinking about that I loved that Ole Miss grabbed. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the defense and the portal. Uh, one of my writers actually whipped up an article about this, and she highlighted 
I'll just name them all. John Saunders, Zamari Walton, Jaden Cannaday, and Justin Hodges, all on defense. Um, all either three or four stars and led their teams in tackles, solo tackles, interceptions, sacks, name it. They, they led in it. And um, for the players that left in the portal, they're going to be very good replacements. But I don't like to use the word replacement because it seems like it's a downgrade. I just I think they'll be like a very good level up from those positions on offense. This is what I'm really excited about. Um, Trey Harris and Zachary Franklin. Trey Harris from uh, Louisiana Tech. He's a receiver. He had 14.4 yards per catch and then 65 receptions, 935 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Uh, Franklin, 12.2 yards per catch, 93 receptions, over 1,000 yards, and 15 touchdowns. Both receivers. We haven't had a wide receiver duo in so long. Like, a legit, formidable two go-to guys. And so... All three quarterbacks are excited about it. Kiffin couldn't stop talking about them at SEC Media Day. And it's just something that is going to be very important for the offense with the gravity that Judkins is going to have in the run game to have two receivers on the outsides that can supplement the passing game. With recruiting, I think I know who you're talking about. Uh, Son Terry and Perkins, maybe. Yep, that dude is a dog. He's Mr. 3A football in Mississippi. Highest-rated player in Mississippi, five-star, 6'3", 205, linebacker. Honestly, can put him anywhere on defense. I went and watched him play, I think, six times this year. I think he was at a different part of the field every single time. Like, <laughs> the dude, he's listed as a linebacker, but, like, he's a legit athlete. Like, the dude can play football. <laughs> and he no, highlights I... that recruiting class. Yeah, no, and, and, I'll, and I'll even let you touch on some other players, but before we even get there, Perkins is just incredible. I mean, that's a dude that's crazy athletic. That's like, I mean, we saw, um, what's his name on LSU, um, just absolutely. I think his last name is Perkins, too. I've yeah, maybe. I think it is Perkins. I think Harold Perkins. Harold Perkins, number 44, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was insane for Very LSU, similar right? build. Very similar build, very similar type players, like, and, and I see similar things where it's like, this dude's just going to be a dog right away, like, no matter what. And, and I think Georgia actually just landed, like, the next class's version yep. of it and um, uh, Justin Williams. Like, I think Justin Williams is the same kind of build like these guys, um, like Harold Perkins, like Sunterine Perkins. Like, not they don't have the – he doesn't have a Perkins name, but, uh, like, he's also about 6'3". I mean, it's these kind of players that are like, oh, my gosh, they're going to be crazy right away. But honestly – Ole Miss still had a pretty good class, so I'll let you go into a few other. Yeah, guys. I just wanted to highlight two more. Braxton Myers, uh, he's a four-star safety slash corner. And like I talked about, David uh, Davison Ignosen, and then, um, sorry, I'm blanking. The other guy I mentioned leaving, they're both, like, so he can plug in at both of those positions, which is going to be very important. Another thing with the defense is Pete Golding mass subs a lot. And so all the defensive Depth is going to be very important. The next thing I wanted to highlight, and Ole Miss just posted them on his, him on their Instagram highlights. They're insane. Uh, Aiden Williams, he's another four-star receiver. Insane stats in high school. He's 6'3", 185, so he's a taller receiver. And he's got a burner. He is quick. Like, off the line, he's a really quick dude. In, in spring, he was insane. 
Yeah, Aiden Aiden Williams is a guy that I really like. And again, I hate to keep comparing guys to this upcoming class, but Aiden Williams really reminds me of a guy um, in uh, Nigerian Tuggle that Georgia also brought in. Um, another tall dude that can just fly. Um, and then I feel like is a little bit underrated in that, like, is going to just be really productive once we get to that next level. Um, and then, I mean, other guy. I mean, you touched on so many great wide receivers. They also brought in Chris Marshall from Texas A&M, which – I mean, former five-star guy that's been unproductive. So, like, it, I'm just curious to see what he could possibly do for that team. Yeah, there's a thing about that. Um, he was kicked off the team, uh, oh, no. like, kind of right after the spring game. No one will tell us what happened, and I don't want to spread rumors or bring rumors into it. We have an idea, but he was released from the team. We don't know where he's going. Huge loss. Huge loss because he was all three quarterbacks go to target in the spring game, like deep ball over the top. Very frustrating to see, but if why he was released is why he was released, I understand. Man, no, that's tough, and, and obviously we won't get into that here. But I mean, it is tough. I mean, Georgia themselves had their own Texas A&M guy, Smoke Bowie, that they uh, that they let go from the team. Um, so I don't know what's going on with Texas A&M transfers, but. It's something, yeah. I didn't even know that. That's tough, cause yeah, no. I've, I was hearing great things out of, of Chris Marshall, and I mean the fact that they, that they were gonna pair him with Trey Harris and uh, and and Zachary Franklin. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, that's an awesome wide receiver trio. But I mean, still a great duo, and I'm sure they balled out in the spring a little bit. Yeah, Zachary didn't. I don't think he actually got to play in the spring game because he committed after. But in spring practice after the spring game, I mean, he, he's listed on the death chart as wide receiver one. So, yeah, him and Trey Harris, wide receiver one, along with Jordan Watkins, who's going to be an insane returner for us. Oh, yeah. No, between those guys and, and, and guys like Braxton Myers, who you mentioned, mm-hmm. I mean, all those guys got some, some rub in the spring. So I'll go ahead and ask you from, from just kind of outside looking in, like, how was spring practice? I mean, which, who – who kind of stood out? Who, which names were really popping up during that process, especially before that spring game and now even after? Yeah, I'll touch on after first just because Zakari Franklin was there. And I hate to sound like a broken record, but Trey Harris and Zakari Franklin have been dominating in the spring. Whatever quarterback's throwing to them, Walker Howard, Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, they're all just passing to them. Not exclusively, but they're just always the ones that are open. Like I've sat in on a couple practices where it seems like those two exclusively got the ball. And we talked about Aiden Williams. We haven't even touched on Michael Trigg, uh, Watkins. I mean, we have weapons, but Trey Harris and Zachary Franklin are just different. Um, With that being said, the quarterbacks, I wouldn't say any have stood out, and we'll touch on the quarterback situation later. But of the three, Jackson Dart's been getting the most reps with the ones, so that's something to note. Um. One other thing to note, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, we did not bring a quarterback to SEC media days. We left them all home, which I think was a great decision, but we'll talk about that later. Um, With the defense, it was just exciting to see all four of those transfers that I mentioned earlier kind of plug in exactly where they were supposed to be. And there was no – there hasn't been any, for lack of a better word, tension at spring practice. It's all about one team, one goal – Whatever that goal may be, they're all kind of bought into we're all going to get to play, so let's just give our best foot forward while we can, which is really exciting to see. And I'm sure that's what happens at Georgia, so we're just trying to emulate greatness. 
Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, it, it is very similar to, to the stuff that kind of goes on. I mean, just, just putting the right guys on the field, finding the right guys out there, and then just having – and, I mean, Georgia themselves didn't bring a quarterback. I mean, clearly they've got competition, whether it's Beck or Vandegriff or even the, the wild card of uh, Gunnar Stockton. I mean, they didn't bring anybody. But I do think the most interesting thing on uh, SEC Media Day ballots was uh, that, that one of the Ole Miss quarterbacks was on there. Um, which I think is really interesting, the fact that um, amidst that competition battle, one of them showed up, and I think that's so interesting to me that um, that someone like Jackson Dart was on that that ballot, despite the fact that you know that it was it's still a pretty big competition. But speaking of competition, let's get right into that spring game. You know that one of the best points of kind of breaking up those depth chart battles, those depth chart those depth chart competitions. How was it overall? I mean, what what aspects stood out to you? And then for and we'll even dig deeper on that quarterback battle in just a sec. But just overall positional battles. I mean, what might have been solved, or which uh, which player might have stood out as a favorite there? The receiver group, even before Zachary Franklin, I think was solved pretty well, even in lieu of Chris Marshall and what happened there. Um, it was Trey Harris and Jordan Watkins. They were the guys. And then for tight end, Michael Trigg, he played on both sides. And he was suspended from our team last year for reasons that they didn't announce. But he's back now, and he looked even better than when he played. We've been really missing a tight end for so long. And so to see him and his connection with all three quarterbacks already, no matter who starts, they were throwing it to him. And so the tight end was solved, in my opinion. The receiver... Not that it was solved, but I think the pecking order was sort of figured out. Um, offensive line, there was not necessarily a competition because, if I'm not mistaken, we returned every single offensive line position. And so that was really interesting to see. And it's going to be interesting to follow all year how they're going to replicate and even one-up what they did last year to help Judkins do what he normally does. Um, for defense... It wasn't the best defensive game, I'm not going to lie. The final score was 53-52. to 52. Like, it was – but it wasn't necessarily bad defense. It was just that spring games don't allow physicality, and that's how Pete Golding has his guys play. So it was more or less two-hand touch-ish. Like, But the defense and the people that they put in the positions were what we thought was going to happen. And so the depth chart came out recently, and it was like, oh, that makes sense. Like some of the transfers they had backing up each other, which I think is really important that they are like paired. And then also the starters from last year, the returners, had transfers behind them to kind of mentor them. So the spring game was very figuring things out, not necessarily positional battles. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, it just kind of – just kind of making those connections of like, okay, yeah, everything, everything makes sense here. Nothing, nothing too surprising. And, and then you touched on that O-line. I mean, Ole Miss has pl- put out plenty of really impressive o- offensive linemen across the years. I mean, Larry Tunzel is one of the best offensive linemen in football, in the NFL right now. So, like, Ole Miss has always done that well. And this group is one of the strongest run blockers I've seen. Yeah. They won, like, every – aside from Michigan's offensive line, like, every – o-line award there was to win yeah no it's it's a great group and, it, and it's and again i'm not going to take anything away um 
from Quinchon Judkins because, like, you can't. He was that good. But, like, if not for that O-line, I mean, he probably loses out on an extra, like, 100, 200 yards, you know? So, I mean, just a great duo between those two guys. And that's that's what I think is really going to anchor our offense. <clears throat> Excuse me. No matter which quarterback starts, no matter if Judkins lead back or whoever we bring in is on the field at that time, the one consistent thing is going to be the offensive line. Like, they're going to be there, and they're going to do their job. They're going to run block. They're going to pass block. And the offense, I think, is going to look a lot smoother last year because of that continuity. No, absolutely. And and if there's anything that's even more key for making a seamless quarterback transition, it's a great offensive line. And we touched on all of the other transfer portal players that they brought in, but we avoided two. Two specific ones that have kind of caught the eye of, of national media. And that's a, that's a quarterback transfer from LSU, and that's a quarterback transfer from Oregon State. Go ahead and kind of detail kind of the three guys. We touched on Jackson Dart a little bit, but the three guys of that quarterback battle and kind of what you've seen from from each of them, what you've heard from each of them, what that battle has been like, because those are three big profile guys. Yeah, it, it was really interesting to see both Walker Howard and Spencer Sanders brought in. Um, I still haven't gotten to the bottom of what Kiffin told those guys to get them to come here, but we're really excited to have them because, I mean, competition breeds excellence. Like, the way that these guys have been interacting with each other, it's no animosity, no hate whatsoever. They're a pretty close group of three quarterbacks who are just trying to figure out who's going to be the best quarterback to help this team win. Now, obviously, all of them think that it's themselves, rightfully so. But, like, I, I touched on Jackson Dart, so I'll just kind of – he was our starter last year. He came from the Pac-12. Ugh. So, SEC football was new to him. Um and with what he had last year, what he had to deal with, he did really good. Now, for Spencer Sanders, the dude led Oklahoma State to a Big 12 championship game. Lost to Baylor, but nonetheless led them to a championship game. And then had a semi-successful year last year. He's a great quarterback, and he's very experienced in the realm of college football. Not necessarily SEC football, but just the football knowledge he has and the way he reads defenses and his decision-making, whether it's to pass the ball, who to pass the ball to, or when to tuck and run is going to be very important for his campaign to be the starting quarterback. Walker Howard, he's the young guy on campus. Um, and I would say, and I don't even know if this is a hot take, he might be the most skilled quarterback we have. Like, he's young and he's skilled, and he did really good in the spring game. Now, in my opinion, I really think it's more of a dart, Sanders conversation and then uh Howard's like next year but I could be wrong um how the three performed in the spring game Dart played against the ones the entire time played with the ones and against the ones the entire spring game and he had the most well-rounded game no interceptions like 300 yards knew when to tuck and run knew who to pass the ball to Spencer Sanders spent most of the time against the twos but he dominated so I mean he had like Three passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, like 200 yards, maybe one interception, but he played really good. And then lastly, Walker Howard played with and against both the ones and the twos. And so something that was interesting for me to see is his chemistry with every single person on the team, no matter who he was throwing to, whatever center he was 
getting the ball from. I mean, the offensive line respected him, the receivers respected him, and the defense respected his ability to run and pass as well. So the quarterback battle is more interesting than I think people even realize because all three of these guys would start at a lot of different places. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you look at what Spencer Sanders did with Oklahoma State, and and I, I think I said Oregon State earlier, and that's my, my apologies. But, yeah, I mean, you saw what he did at Oklahoma State. I mean, they were a consistently productive team, and I know last year was a bit of a down year for him, but, I mean, the year before, that Oklahoma State team was awesome. It was a really fun team, and Spencer Sanders led that group. He, he was a big part of that, and, and – and, like I'm not surprised he dominated against those twos because he is a starting quarterback in, in my eyes, especially at a Power 5 program. So I think just the Ole Miss logjam is, is definitely hurting him. And then Walker Howard, I think, is just – that's just a fun player that, like, you just hope sticks around, I, I feel like, for you guys. Because, like, again, you you mentioned it, but I but I think it is a Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders comp- competition, really. But, but Walker Howard, I mean, nearly a five-star guy coming out of high school, all the talent in the world. I mean, it, the fact that he transferred from, from LSU was surprising for me, but the fact that Ole Miss got him, if they can get him to stick around and buy in, I think that could be a really interesting add for the future of this team. Yeah, and now I, I was debating whether I was going to bring this up, but we did get another quarterback, Austin Simmons. He, I don't know if you heard this story. He's He was the 2025 quarterback that reclassed two years. He had like a 5.34 GPA. He graduated as a freshman. He's going to be on campus. He's going to be a 17-year-old, and he's dressing out. Like, he's he's going to be on the team. I don't think he's a part of the QB competition, but it'll be interesting moving forward to see how that affects Walker Howard. Yeah, oh, absolutely. No, that's super interesting because, like, no, I wasn't even – I wasn't super aware of that because, yeah, I mean, reclassing two classes is crazy alone, but – I mean, you kind of look at it, you look at like the NBA operates, you know, you got so many guys coming in at 18, 19 years old, and it take, sometimes it just takes a little while for them to develop and get to until they're like 22, 23, and they finally kind of hit their stride. So it's interesting to see a quarterback that is 17, that, yeah. that does get to sit behind such like three really talented people. Like, and I mean, and again, it's a Lane Kiffin offense. So I, I feel confident and any real quarterback coming in there, you know? We've been searching for our next Matt Corral for ever since he left. And one of these guys has got to be him. Like, one of these guys has got to fill that shoe somehow. Absolutely. And, I mean, you, hey, you know, Jackson Dart in that bowl game, you know, he did show, showcase a little Matt Corral. You know, he was running around, making plays, diving, and then he got hurt, kind of like Matt Corral did in that bowl game. So, <laughs> the, hey, maybe the parallels are a little bit closer than <laughs> Dude, he tried so hard in that bowl game, and no one else was, and it was really frustrating to watch. I turned it off, but that's neither here nor there. No, no, yeah, that was last season, but honestly, I think it's time to get into next season. Um, so I think let's just go ahead and talk about the schedule. We touched on Ole Miss faces Georgia this year. This is something that they don't normally do. I don't believe they have since 2016, so it's been a minute. But aside from Georgia, let's go ahead and dig deep into Ole Miss's schedule. Yeah, so I actually stole this from our Ole Miss women's basketball team. They break their schedule up into pods, like four-game pods. And so I did it in three-game pods, which I think is really interesting to look at with our schedule. So in the first pod, we got Mercer, Tulane, and Georgia Tech. I mean, Mercer, it's Mercer. But then Tulane, they just beat USC. So it's like – and it's at Tulane. But we don't know how they're going to function this year without their running back. 
They still have their quarterback, but it's like how much of what they did against USC is going to transfer. So that's our trap game week two. And that's what really sucks is that we have this whole quarterback competition going on and you would like for those first three games to be figure it out games. Like even against Georgia Tech, we shut them out last year. So it's like that's kind of still a figure it out game. And so to have Tulane week two is going to be really telling for who Lane Kiffin trusts to put in at quarterback at that time. I still think we go 3-0 in that time. But let's move on to the second pod. It's our toughest one. It's Alabama, LSU, Arkansas. And it's at Alabama and then home versus LSU and Arkansas. So, again, Alabama week four is, like, top five toughest things to do in college football. Like, at in Tuscaloosa, Nick Saban's mad. They don't have a quarterback yet, but they're mad. So, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. LSU, now I do think we win this game. And that might be because I do not like LSU because I went to that game and got tiger baited by a three-year-old. So, but I, at home, week five, LSU, very familiar teams. I think we take that one. Alabama, I haven't decided yet. Once I know who their quarterback is, I'll decide. Arkansas, I think we get our get back only because it's home and the, the Auburn rumors aren't happening. I truly believe that's the main reason why we lost last year. So Arkansas, I think we win. Then we have a week seven bye. Now, I don't know how much you pay attention to bye weeks, but I think week seven is like the perfect time. It's literally right in the middle of the season. It's where we needed to have it last year. So to have it there this year is going to be very welcomed for the players. The next pod. It's a little little interesting. Auburn, Vandy, and A&M. Vandy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Auburn. We Something about Auburn. Ole Miss fans ignore the last 10 times we played Auburn. It, we're like set, we're like 2-8, and 3-7. and seven. It's ridiculous. We just can't beat Auburn. And so, however good or bad people think Auburn's going to be, it's going to be a trap game for Ole Miss. And it's going to be very frustrating because it's at Auburn. So, a little shaky there. And then A&M, we're whooping the dog out of A&M. I don't care. I'll say it. We're going to beat the crap out of A&M. <laughs> then the last pod, that's where Georgia comes in. And that's at Georgia, and I will be at that game. So, if you're there, we can, we can meet up. Then ULM and Mississippi State. ULM, that's the week, that's the week twelve SEC Cupcake game. So that's what that is. And then Mississippi State, we have that away this year. And so the whole in-state rivalry is definitely tough to predict every single year. So we I know we were gonna get into record predictions and I'll save that for then, but the schedule is interesting. The way the home and aways ended up and who we play early, who we play late. You know, real testament to our preparedness all season long. No, absolutely. And, and you touched on that second pod. That second pod is brutal. Alabama, LSU, Arkansas alone. I mean, that's that's three really good teams and, and two teams that placed first in the SEC West. So, I mean, that's tough alone. Georgia, I mean, is just kind of one of those tougher matchups just sheerly from back-to-back national championship standpoints. And Auburn alone. I mean, I talked to Jacob Waters uh, yesterday with, with Auburn, and I mean – he touched on like how how important that game is for them, you know, and and 
and the fact that the, the, there is a lot of intrigue, the fact that you guys are going into there after the Kiffin stuff. You know, you get past Arkansas, which you don't have to worry about that Kiffin stuff anymore, and then you go right into Auburn. Yeah, not even just the Kiffin stuff. Like, the Kiffin stuff happened, but the fact that they also have Hugh Freeze, like, it's going to be a game, and I might travel to that game just to see what it's like. Because it's going yeah. to be an atmosphere, and it's going to be something – that needs to be studied because it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be insane. And Jordan Hare alone gets loud. That's going to be, that's going to be Georgia, Tennessee levels of insane. I feel like, Oh my gosh. But speaking of insane, I, and you kind of said, we'll get into to, uh, to record predictions and stuff like that. And I know you said you don't want to decide on Alabama, but I am going to make you. Um, but before we even, before I even do that, let's get bold. Let's let's take it up a notch. You had you had a couple bold takes in there already of LSU of 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 just mopping the floor with A and M, which w- w- there's there's debate whether how bold that might be. But kind of as that se- as this season approaches, what's one bold take that you've got for the Ole Miss program? For Ole Miss, and this is actually one, and it's kind of a record prediction. It's one that one of my writers I know he wants me to say this. Ole Miss goes eleven and one. Like. I know, pump the brakes, but, like, hear me out. If we can get past Alabama week four and LSU week five, we only – and that's the thing, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, we're going to lose to one of those three teams. And in my mind, it's Georgia because it's late in the season just because. But LSU is at home. That's already an added boost. We both have returning quarterbacks. But LSU lost their number one receiver and a lot from their defense. And we're, we lost our receiver too, but, and I've been paying attention to kind of what they brought in, and I don't think it's as good of production as what we brought in. So I really think it's going to be a battle of the offenses, and I think we take the edge there, and that's why I think we win. With Alabama, I really think it's the quarterback situation and the receiver situation because the same receivers are there that were there last year or there this year, and Bryce Young could could hardly win with them. Not hardly, but, like, it wasn't to Alabama's standard of winning. And if Bryce Young couldn't do it, I don't think Ty Thompson or whatever their names are, I don't think they can do it. And so I think we win those two and lose to Georgia and Athens. That's, that's what I got. No, that's bold for sure. 11 wins. I, I – I... You're the first person to go above ten wins so far on on bold prediction stuff, but honestly, yeah, no, you get past that first that first, you get past that like brutal game slate, then like yeah, no, I can absolutely see that happening, because I mean yeah, I mean Alabama's in a lot of turmoil. I know they brought in a guy Justice Haynes at running back that I love, um, so that guy that dude that could be that dude is like maybe the next Quinshawn Judkins, but like, I mean aside from that like. I mean, you're right. I mean, Jermaine Burton's still there. Ja'Cory Brooks. I mean, talented players, but just couldn't get it done last year. And they've got a lot of competition going on at their own quarterback position. So, and then LSU. I mean, yeah, no, it's interesting. It's definitely possible. Um, but I guess if, I mean, if with that being your bold take, that would certainly be your ceiling for the team. Yeah. But yeah. But let's go ahead. I, I didn't go crazy and put 12-0 and 0 for the ceiling. Like, no one's beating you- LSU, Alabama, and Georgia in the same year. Yeah, that's just too tough of a slate to to somehow get uh, to somehow get a win. But yeah, that's yeah, that's clearly your ceiling. But let's go ahead and, and go a little bit more reasonable, right? We've got your ceiling, we got your bold take. Let's take a look at the floor. 
and let's take it that reasonable right in the middle expectation, right? What do you think is going to be that Ole Miss record, and, and where do you think Ole Miss could, could fall if maybe things don't go perfectly for them? So I teeter on our record prediction, I teeter back and forth between eight and four and 10 and two. So we'll go with nine and three because, and I say as low as eight and four because that's including a lost LSU, Bama, and Georgia, and a slip up somewhere. And I think that's realistic. But we'll go nine and three for the sake of saying we take care of business on everyone who's not a national championship favorite. <laughs> like, we take care of Auburn at Auburn, A&M at home, Arkansas at home, state away, and then we just drop to LSU, Bama, and Georgia. And that's, that's what I'll say is our, like, most likely probably nine and three situation. For a floor, this team is very volatile. Like, we could lose – we could be six and six with losses at state and a loss to Auburn and then a loss maybe to Tulane. I don't know. But we could be six and six, which would probably be a disappointment, right? And it's something that you wouldn't like to see in a year where Lane Kiffin's going to be 100% focused. We'll have our quarterback situation figured out. We have Quinshawn Judkins, the defense, the new defensive coordinator. So 6-6, six and six, I think, is the floor. But it, it would be a very disappointing floor. So 9-3 and three is where I'll go. And that's where I'll stick. No, I, I, think, that's, I think that's a good record prediction, especially considering, I mean – yeah, you do have to play like a few of the most recent national championship winners and also national championship favorites. That's just a tough schedule in itself, but this team is fun. This team definitely could go that 11 and 1 like you like you predicted boldly and it's going to be so much fun to see how this team ends up doing and and where everything kind of shapes out once we get to the season, but Cameron, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure. Before we get out of here, I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of plug and, and shout out whatever you'd like and, and wherever people might be able to find you. Oh, of course. Uh, first of all, I want to shout out all of my writers, Ian, Owen, Caleb, Lars, Anna Grace Griffin, Teddy, Reagan, Tanner, CJ, Symphony, Russ, Pierre, Stuart, and Cam. I couldn't do what I do without y'all. I appreciate y'all. Um, as for where you can find us, you can find us online at thedmonline.com. All of our stuff is there. There's a whole sports section. We post very frequently. A lot of good stuff. Very exciting. And then also, screw it. Follow me on Twitter, CamLark4. That's the at, CamLark4. That's all I got. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Cameron. This was a blast. So thank you so much for joining me, man. Of course.